Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show as we begin the short week off the holiday weekend on this Tuesday. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai. Great selection of new inventory and pre-owned inventory. And a great service department that is there for you for your current vehicle with the diagnostics, with the inspections, and the routine maintenance. And a sales staff that is there for you and not just for the sale. All part of the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And of course, we all know what SMC stands for. With that comes the need for many great behind-the-scenes employees. While they have many awesome technicians ready to serve you, they need more due to the busy business that a 107-year-old dealership has earned. They are looking for entry-level and experienced technicians to work in their quick lane, car light truck service, heavy truck service, body frame and alignment, and towing departments. Whether you are an experienced technician, an entry-level technician looking for your first job, or someone looking for a career change, they would love to hear from you. Stop by in person, apply online at sunburymotors.com, or you can call Todd at 286-7746. And, of course... Since we didn't have a Monday show yesterday, today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury, or go to purdyinsurance.com, home auto, life, business. They are the true pros pros when it comes to insurance matters. Best people. All at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury, or go to purdyinsurance.com. We have a loaded show today, and really a loaded, we got a busy week coming up today. Neil Coolong. With his normal weekly stop with us, but also a lot to talk about with the Steelers today with the announcement of Franco Harris's jersey retirement on the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception on Christmas Eve, plus the little snafu with the media team about the depth chart for the quarterbacks. Talk about that in a sec. And then Bucknell head coach Dave Cicchini is going to join us today at 435 to recap the team's Gut-wrenching loss to Towson, 14-13 in overtime after the Bucknell missed the extra point, which would have extended the game. But despite that tough of a loss to a good Towson team in the CAA, it had been since 1980 since Bucknell has been in a CAA team. Last time they played Towson, it was a 56-7 loss at Towson. And that was one of the better efforts that we've seen from a Bison team in the last couple of years against a good 
FBS opponent, a higher FBS opponent in non-conference play. So, despite what was a brutal, brutal ending to that game, there's still a lot to build on for the Bison, and we're going to talk about that with Dave today at 435. Then on, or tomorrow I should say, we'll have Sam Kahn from the Philadelphia Inquirer. He covers Penn State for them now. He'll join us tomorrow at 4.06. Re, final recap of last week's win against Purdue. Look ahead to Ohio on Saturday. And then Friday, we got a full-fledged football Friday with the opening of the NFL this week. Merrill Reese at 4.06. Bill Hillgrove at 3.35 to get ready for the Eagles and Steelers season openers. And then, of course, the King with our picks. So looking forward to Friday's show. That'll be a lot of fun. But... Getting back to today, real quick, the AP polls out. I want to get to that in a second. But just to go back to the Steelers thing, I just don't know how you mess that up if you're PR. As you, you know that is the number one thing everyone's talking about with this football team. How much everybody loved Kenny Pickett in the preseason. And you had a, quote, copy and paste error. I mean, that's just inexcusable. I'm sorry. That's what Mike Tomlin said today in his press conference. So it's Trubisky, the starter, Kenny Pickett, the two, Mason Rudolph, the three, and likely Mason Rudolph will not even dress. As Mike Tomlin said today, there will be only two quarterbacks dressed for the game against the Bengals on Sunday. Big snafu there from Steelers PR, which is very unlike them, I will say. And then this is a great move for the Franco Harris retirement ceremony on the 24th against the Raiders. And they're apparently going to do a ceremony the day before at Akersher Stadium at the exact spot where the Immaculate Reception happened at 329, which is when he caught the pass. So I thought that was pretty neat. But getting to the AP poll, just out today, after it was just a tremendous college football weekend, after all of the craziness of the offseason with expansion talk, with TV revenue talk, with now with college football playoff expansion talk, so much drama NIL, of course, it was good to have a really good drama-filled on-field full weekend of college football. It's exactly what they needed, and it certainly delivered in week one. But you're looking at this poll here for this week. Your top five, not really too many surprises there. Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson. Okay, that's not a surprise. A&M, six. Oklahoma, seven. Notre Dame is eight. And considering the way they played against Ohio State, that's actually pretty favorable for them. They, play, they played a great game. They still have some things to do. They still have to be able to get a, over the hump against those big, the big boys like Ohio State, so to speak. But I thought Notre Dame would actually drop out of the top ten. But that's, that's good for them that they stay at eight because of how they played against Ohio State, and they actually impressed a lot of people, calling it a moral victory, even though there's no such thing as that when you're inside the team. Then you got Baylor 9, USC 10, Oklahoma State 11, Florida 12, Utah 13, Michigan State 14, Miami 15, Arkansas 16, Pitt 17, NC State 18, Wisconsin 19, Kentucky 20, BYU 21, Ole Miss, Wake, Tennessee, Houston. So Penn State is not in the top 25 after that win against Purdue. And I have a problem with that. 
you look at some of these schools that are in this back half, produce or produce a much better win to get on the road. Especially the predicament that Penn State has been in the last over decade now where they've had 12 out of the last 13 Big Ten openers on the road, including the last five in a row, against a good Purdue team. And you see some of the teams that these schools beat, especially Kentucky, BYU, Wake, Houston. Like, I don't understand. I'm not saying Penn State should jump all the way to the top 10, or even the top 15, but they should be, I would think, somewhere at least in the 20s. I don't know. I just find it a little ridiculous. I don't know how you all feel. Maybe you can call in. I know Steve doesn't care about these things. Again, that's the difference between him and I. He's focused on Ohio, and I get that. But I, I, I have a problem with Penn State not in the top 25 this week. They should at least be in that last group of five. If not, maybe like 18-19. But I'd be happy if they were in somewhere in the 20-25 to 25 range. Could you look at some of these schools and who they beat? I just don't think that's as impressive as beating Purdue on the road, especially the way they did. I know things didn't look good late in the game until they made the comeback, of course. But the point is they did it. But Penn State will have plenty of chances coming up to move up in the ranks. I get it. I think if I saw correctly, they were like 27th, maybe. I don't know. But that's just me. I just have a problem with that. Maybe you guys can call in that may or may not have a problem with it. We'd love to hear from you about that. You can always call us. 1-800-795-9565. Email stevejones at wkok.com or hit us up on social media as well. So there's that. We'll also hear from James Franklin's press conference today as well. A couple of things to get into with that as well, including the number two quarterback situation for this week, which James Franklin says remains unresolved at this point. So we'll get into that and more. Neil Kulong today, Dave Giacchini today, a lot more here on the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Have you made a decision this week whether Drew will be Sean's backup for Ohio? Yeah, again, similar answer, and I know this is not what you guys want, but a similar answer that I've given other people. Uh, we haven't really made any decisions. We had a we had a uh, basically a uh, Friday corrections jog through practice and then kind of a bonus one on Sunday which we were able to do a little bit more but we still were only in helmets um, Tuesday and Wednesdays are our work day where we get the best evaluation of kind of where we're at and that determines you know um, you know maybe some moves that, that that we may or may not make why do I sense you weren't satisfied with that answer I can't say I'm surprised, but I'll just say this. I just, especially the way he played and handled his series when he had to come in, I don't know why you wouldn't keep Drew Aller in that spot. That's all. He didn't say that. He just said... I know. He also, week one, 
He's the backup. His job is to make sure you, moody as you are, are not satisfied. <laughs> Me and the rest of the fan base and Penn State media. <laughs> are they playing today? And no. Then does it matter where he is today? <laughs> not totally. I understand the curiosity of it. I got it. Okay. (laughs) But I don't know. Maybe I'm not the right guy for this job here. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, it'd be one thing if he didn't play that well. But he did. He wasn't perfect, but he did. So why should there even be a question? If, you know... That's all. That's all my thing is. But maybe there's something that maybe you you see, or maybe he sees that we just don't know about yet. I don't know what it is, but that's my only question. I think a lot of people too is why why is there a question when Drew Rattler played pretty well? That's all. Well, maybe they keep taking a look at Christian Veyer and they keep taking a look at Bo Perbula. It's just all part of the process. Maybe that's it. I don't know. And I could see that for a game like this, and maybe in a game like Central Michigan coming up in a couple weeks where maybe you'll want to get multiple guys in to get them reps to see more. And I can understand that if that is the case. But all I'm saying is Drew Aller deserves to be number two for another week. I sense your concern. You could tell I'm not that concerned. <laughs> no. And I can also tell you're not that concerned that Penn State was left out of the top 25. And as I mentioned before, you stepped up here, Steve. I have a problem with that. At the end of the month, if they keep winning, okay, then I'll say something about it. Until I really don't care. Like, I'll be honest with you. Like, let, let's take a different game. Like, that's why I always refer to this as overreaction Tuesday. First weekend of the season. I've drawn conclusions. About what? <laughs> let's let's start like with a game that doesn't involve Penn State. Ohio State, Notre Dame. I really don't know how good Ohio State is after watching that game. Because I don't really know how good Notre Dame is after watching that game. I'm like, okay. Notre Dame played the kind of game to keep it close. But offensively, especially with a first-time starter quarterback, they played so conservatively, they didn't give themselves a chance to win. And they played in such a way that also kept Ohio State in the game. So I don't know how good either. Oh, look, I mean, they were up front, and, oh, they're much tougher. Like, I don't know. I mean, those, I mean, is that the conclusion you drew? I didn't draw any conclusion. I looked at it and went... That was an interesting game to watch. I don't really know who's any good after watching it. I was definitely I was definitely pleasantly surprised with how well Notre Dame played, although the the it was a little conservative on the offensive game plan side of things. 
But the bottom line is they were in this game till the fourth quarter, and I, I, you and I both thought this would be a blowout with, with Ohio State winning. So I yes. take that. And, and I do think Ohio State was able to take somewhat of a step forward with taking out the critics of they can't win a smash-mouth tight game where they have to run the football get like a grind out a long drive and play defense which they had to do in the fourth quarter to pull away from Notre Dame but well, essentially the way Notre Dame played though in the game is they played it so close to the vest they kept giving Ohio State possessions and in a game like that you keep doing that and then you start to wear down Absolutely, and I need to see Ohio State do that more consistently, and I think it was perfectly fine for Georgia to be to leapfrog them in the poll because Georgia just flat out dominated Oregon. Who knows? Nobody knows. Nobody. Nobody knows how good Oregon is. We know Georgia should be pretty good. I don't know. That's a difference. I'll I'll tell you on the air. I don't know. So I got two questions here. You see the two questions I got? I did. From Rob. Very thoughtful, by the way. Make sure I find them here, Rob. Sorry about that. One, any new rules this year that a normal person will notice? I know the targeting call can be reviewed after the game. I'm not sure if there's anything else of real interest. There's something they put in last year that I think that I know is a point of emphasis this year, Rob. And that is, take that out. Come on. Now, I'm not going to answer the questions then. I'm not going to do it with music. We'll answer it later when we have peace and quiet. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to have you with us on the show today. I'm, I know it's Tuesday, but it's still brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street and Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. Neil Kulong in a few moments, if I know my sequence right here. And then Dave Cicchini, right? Yeah, That's final here. half hour for Dave, but yes. Yes, okay, good. All right, get that done. Yeah, um... Yeah, we'll do Neil. Yeah, we'll get Neil in a few moments here. Um, so let's answer Rob's questions now that we have peace and quiet. 
of having 200 decibels of music underneath you. That way the person can actually hear the answer. Um, any new rules, he asked. And one is that was put in last year, but you did see it in the Purdue game because it's a point of emphasis. And that's that crackback block. And you saw Payne Durham get called for it. To be honest with you, it was a wide open field. I mean, Jack and I saw it a second he, he made the block. But that is something, just keep watching for that as the season goes. Because you've got to be in a spot where the defender can actually see you and can, quote, protect themselves against it. So that's the, really the only one that's really um, takes a long look at that. Because next year will be the rules year anyway. They do it every other year. Same thing in college basketball. Every other year, new rules year. Next year's that year. It's the odd years. Uh, and in uh, number two, I know that Steve has a lot of prep during the game, but what's the most obscure and or unique information that Steve has listed on his notes? Okay. Uh, for the most part, I keep it pretty simple. Uh, I've, I've, I've kind of slid more toward the less is more. Uh, having the right stuff, but yes, I will tell you the most obscure one on my chart, without question. I do keep some historical notes on there. All right? And the most obscure one that has sat there, sat there, and sat there is that in the 80s, they put in that rule where you could get two points off a two-point conversion defensively, or if you blocked the extra point and ran it back, you can get two points. And I do it have on my chart that Penn State's done it three times. And the last was a blocked extra point against Pitt against in 1992 that Lee Rubin ran back for two. That is the most obscure note I have in my chart. I think that qualifies, right? Definitely. So that's the most obscure note I have. If it ever happens... I got it. <laughs> it's it's there. And it's been sitting there year after year after year after year. But you never know when it might happen. All right. Let's talk about the NFL now. Matt's all geared up. This is the year the Eagles win their second Super Bowl. You're excited. I legitimately think that might be a possibility this year. Might be. <laughs> I think they're as good. They're good enough to be a number two seed in the NFC. I do. <laughs> That's adorable. All right. Um, so let's uh, talk about the team on the other side of the state that doesn't quite have those aspirations. I mean, the Eagles are in much better position than the Steelers are. I mean, almost every other year it's the other way around. Not this time. The Eagles are definitely well positioned. To make a run at something. The Steelers are trying to be well positioned to get to 500. So let's bring in Neil Kulong, the man, the myth, the legend, sir. Welcome. As always, it's great to be here, especially after an intro like that. How could I not want to come back each week? That's why we come up with intros like this, because we need to keep reeling you in. Oh, I need. 
it's just my ego. You just you you massage that a bit, and I'll do whatever you want. I'm, I'm I mean, easy. I mean, really, it's it's you know, it's been perfected with management over the years. I mean, none of it's sincere. <laughs> all right, uh, so <laughs> all right, so um, obviously the the dramatic moment. Uh, Mitch Trubisky is one. Kenny Pickett is two. Is there really, really any surprise in this at all? I don't really. I wouldn't even call it a surprise. No, of course I mean, my, not. My thought on this, we, we've we've discussed this too. My thought really was, now that you're in the situation, now that you have Mitch Trubisky signed, you, you still are, are. If you want to keep Mason Rudolph, you drafted Kenny Pickett. Whatever order you want to put him in, I'm not sure how much it's going to matter. And I don't know if there is so much of a wrong decision here. I, I think Trubisky is the starter. I think that's that's the right decision to make. Um, it, it, I can see positives and negatives to either Rudolph or Pickett serving as the, the game day backup. Now, what this really means is it, it's the quarterback who's going to be dressed um, – and you only are going to dress two, which is what Mike Tom exactly. said today. They're, they're only going to be two of them dressing. I would have thought keeping Rudolph uh, at $3 million, the value to that would be more of uh, having a, a, an in-game quarterback ready to help with signaling, uh, to help with uh, you know diagnosing defenses, looking at, at screenshots, things like that. Things that a veteran – um, would would probably be able to do better than a rookie. I would think that would have more value. But at the same time, um, every quarterback in the league has zero experience until they get on the field. There's a time where they're not prepared uh, to be in the spot that they're in. That's just a fact. If they want to accelerate Pickett's timeline, probably because they want him to start next season, this is a good way to do that. So I, I, that makes sense, too. I, I don't know if the world ends if Mitch Trubisky gets hurt anyway, and I'm not sure if... Uh, either Rudolph or Pickett are significantly better than one or the other. For me, in that situation, I'd probably rather go with Pickett over a, a two, three, four game stretch. I'd want the, the rookie, the future, to, to you know to get his reps in game. I think Rudolph might be the better option just because he's done it. Um, he's already prepared to do it. He knows what to expect. I'd be okay with that, but. I just spent two and a half minutes talking about something that I don't think significantly matters. I, I you know, I, I've had issues with quarterback depth that they have in this team anyway. Um, they have a couple guys. You know, I don't know how good any of them are uh, with the Steelers right now. We've seen Rudolph. I don't know what he's like within this variation of the offense. We have not seen Trubisky or Pickett in real time. Um, we'll we'll see what happens here, but. This isn't a position of strength. Let's let's be let's be realistic here. I, I don't think we need um, to to be you know hooking our plows to the futures you know for for the Steelers' futures sake on the quarterback room right now. So whatever combination of them they want to put out there, I'm, I'm sure it's going to have a few pluses and probably the negatives that we already know about. Well, that's okay because I. I, I spent 32 seconds asking a question that I, I knew it was going to be that kind of answer anyway. So, <laughs> In some way, Neil, in college football, which obviously I get the privilege of broadcasting, the opening game has some level of mystery to it because you don't play anything until you play the first game. You just start. The way preseasons play out in the NFL now, is it actually trending more in that direction? I, you know, it, it, how about this? Ask me that next week. Okay. It, it, here's here's 
the issue that I have. And a lot of this stems not just from this, but this is definitely the best example. The Steelers going to Buffalo last year and playing the most ridiculous game you've ever seen um, that season up to that point, there would be several more that were worse. But Pittsburgh had no business beating Buffalo. If they, they play 10 times, Pittsburgh probably loses 7 of 10. Yeah, uh, that, That's a significant advantage at, at the NFL level of this sport. Buffalo played a terrible game, and it, it showed when they basically ran over just about everybody else the rest of the way of their season. Um, Pittsburgh got a special teams play and a lot of poor offense on both sides of the ball, and they were able to, to kind of hang on in a game they shouldn't have won. Week one, to me, is more of where this all is. It, I, it, you're right in what you're asking and, and, and where that's going. You don't know about a team. Um, the, the preseason, I don't think, is all that much different than week one is, and we're seeing that more and more. It, it, it's Maybe this is just my ears are perked up ever since you know contact was, was even more limited. Uh, I think that was two CBAs ago. But it just seems like there, there's massive variation uh, in, in, in several games every year in week one. Now, in the NFL, you know how it is. They're not, you know, uh, we're not seeing seven-plus point uh, uh, game spreads all that often. It's not rare, but you're not getting more than one, maybe two of those a week. Teams are generally speaking fairly close, you know, barring injuries and everything like that. Right. In week one, though, it seems like we're totally dead set on this team winning this game, and they'll get blown out. And then they'll come back the next week and destroy whoever they're playing. There, there's so much variation in the first one, two, three games of an NFL season. It just kind of feels almost like they aren't really planning on it, what, whatever their, their master plan is. It's taking effect as they're going. They're not warming up to it yet. Uh, I, I, I view week one like that. I really don't know. I mean, we can go off what we see today. It just doesn't seem like that happens um, it, it, in line the way that it will in week two, week three, and, and beyond, if that makes sense. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. it just teams just don't seem at their best in week one. It really feels like a preseason game. They're warming yeah, up. It, it's not quite as intense right. as we'll see in the coming weeks. Yeah, I think uh... – College football, like the NFL, to me, the, the similarity now is at the end of month one, now you got a pretty good read on where you're actually headed. I think you know, yeah. it takes f- about four weeks where you really know what do I have, what don't I have, how do I work around it, <laughs> and how do I make everything else pay off. I think after a month, you've got that. Yeah, you've got to be able to see it. I think that's what I mean. It, it, people yep. tend to think that you're hitting the ground knowing everything that you're doing, whereas more it's, you know, in other words, a heavyweight fight, you're not coming out throwing haymakers in round one necessarily. Right. You're going to jab, you're going to move around, you're going to see what your opponent looks like that particular day. And I think uh, being able to see your opponent on film more, to understand their yeah, tendencies yeah. a little bit more, um, you're, you're able to ramp up your preparation to a higher degree as the season goes on. But in week one, it just it, it feels like neither team is really going for anything right away. Like they, it, the, the missing spot in that, to me, it feels like it's the preparation piece. They don't know enough. You can mm-hmm. go back and look at what a team did last season for sure. Right now, though, if, if yeah. you're Lou Amaretto uh, with the Bengals, if you're Zach Taylor with the Bengals, are you going to actively prepare for a Steelers offense 
with Mitch Trubisky under center? How do you you intend to do that by watching Ben play last year? Right. They're, they're polar opposite quarterbacks. Right. So are, are you going to be able to really spot tendencies and figure out uh, what it is that you need to do based on their film from last year? Because in a lot of ways, and I'll be honest with you, I'll, I'll speak until the sun comes up tomorrow about how Cincinnati is going to win this game. But one real trick to this, Zach Taylor doesn't know a whole lot of what to prepare for, whereas the Steelers didn't just get two big-time beatings from the Bengals last year, front-row seats to what they're doing. They got to watch four other games of the Bengals at the end of last season. So there's a bit more film on a team that's got a little bit more continuity going for it. It, it, to, To some degree, that might give the Steelers something of an advantage just in terms of preparation. But if Zach Taylor's worth his salt, he's not going to go back and do the same exact thing, certainly not against an opponent that knows him pretty well. So it, the preparation piece just kind of seems to almost create it really a, a, a stalemate of sorts um, in, in the week one portion of the schedule. But over the first quarter of the season, that fades away, I think, pretty quickly as the weeks go on. You get more film, you get more uh, right. uh, prep, and you figure out your own team as well to kind of put those two things together and start coming up with who your team really is, which as much as they say this is true, it just isn't. You don't know who it is in July. You know it in October into November, but you don't know it in July. It was interesting about college football. It's a, it's a week-by-week evaluation. Same thing with the NFL, week-by-week. That's why I always refer to after the opening weekend in college football, I always refer to it on this show as overreaction Tuesday. Like, you didn't learn much of anything really over the weekend <laughs> from anybody, uh, uh, you know, except somebody won, somebody lost, because there's no real feel yet on how teams really are. And, I, it, you know, and, and of course, in this business, we'll get, we'll get to Tuesday next week, and, you know, you and I won't overreact to it. That's not what we do, but we'll ask questions about it. But there'll be people after week one of the NFL overreacting. Oh, Chargers, that's it. They're home free. Nope, the Chargers, they're in the tank. They'll never win. <laughs> yep, you, you, you hear last year was a great example of that. Everybody was like, okay, all right, this is the Steelers we, we thought we were going to see. No, 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 no. no, no. And the Bills no, aren't as good. They're half-point underdogs for a reason. I mean, this, this game, if you watch it, it's just it, – I hate to use the word fluke at the NFL level, but that game, it, it, there were worse flukes they had during that season, too. 2021 was just a remarkable year for the Steelers in so many ways. You've heard me. I, I've said it on this segment. That was the worst Steelers team we've seen in 20 years. Yeah. And they managed to not lose 10 games I last know. year. It, it doesn't make any sense. But I, I think Bill's come and do here. You know, <laughs> landlord's on the prowl right now. I'm not sure if they can get away with that again uh we'll see i i don't i wouldn't bet against mike tomlin all that often but i'm not sure how this team i i don't i don't think they beat cincinnati week one i think that's going to show probably a little bit uh earlier this year as opposed to last year um the the true colors of this team how interesting is it going to be for you to see how mike wants to play because that's the best way he thinks it is to win because there's so many unknowns about this team that's the thing. I, it's, it, Mike Tomlin, clearly, he forgot more football in the last 15 seconds than you and I combined will ever know. That's right. I'm not, I'm not disparaging yep. him at all. I just, nope. I'm looking at this intellectually. I don't know he knows who this team is. I think he knows who the individual players are. Right. But how, just very simply, 
how do you know your team if you have never played a regular season game with your quarterback? How could you possibly know who you are? You know what you want. You know what you're after. But that's not going to be the makeup of the team. You have to figure out on the fly. Um, and that, that's you know not just week to week. That's half to half, quarter to quarter, series to series. You have to find out what they can do consistently when the pads are thumping. You, it's not a video game. You can't just call the play and expect the other team to do exactly what you want them to do. It's adjusting on the fly, not in the locker room. So it, to, to learn all of that, you have to pay attention to everything that's going on, and you need um, you know, live examples. You need failure to figure that out. I don't think he knows exactly who they are uh, right now. Again, I, I think he knows who he wants them to be, and perhaps you know his his, his you know vast expertise in the subject can tell him who they're going to end up. But it, where they are right now, I, I don't think any coach can truly know that. Uh, it's just a question of putting together what you think their highest and best is, and getting ready to adjust uh, one way or another because it's probably not going to be the same thing after eight games, after twelve games. How heavy is Mike with analytics? And how heavy is, is Mike when it comes to his own gut instinct? I'll say this. Mike Tomlin does not waste words. When he speaks to the media, there is a purpose in everything that he is saying. No question. And he will touch on that subject to a point. But if you notice, you, you listen to him, if you listen to, to every interview and presser that he's done, you'll notice that there's, there kind of comes a point where he stops being specific about something. We often want to think that that's because he doesn't know or he's not aware of it. I don't think there's anything that happens in that organization that Mike Tomlin isn't aware of. I he's agree. just not that type. That's know? right. He I agree with that. an extremely type A, detail-oriented, intelligent guy. I think he knows what he needs, but more than anything, he knows the advantage of not tipping his hand. Um, we, we, we saw just in, in training camp, oh, by the way, your star running back who's going to get 400 carries has a Liz Frank sprain. It's an injury that, that's going to keep him out in, in minimum four weeks, and it's at the four-week mark, and now he's out here practicing. Wow, he missed all that time as well. He didn't say boo about it. Didn't right. say a word. Why? He didn't have to. Right. Mike Tomlin doesn't need to speak on these topics for him to be doing it. Um, it we don't have time to dive into it, but it, it, I'll, I'll tell you offline sometime. You go back even to the, the Jarvis Jones disaster. Mm-hmm. The draft Jarvis Jones, what, 17 or 13 overall? I always forget for some reason. 17, right? 17, 17. overall. Okay. The Steelers used to get starting outside linebackers in the third round. All right, somehow Joey Porter turned into Jarvis Jones in in the first round. Yeah. Huge mistake in many ways, and I'm not trying to be that guy, but I even said it at the time. This guy is just not that kind of athlete. He just isn't. I don't care what the temperature was at his pro day. He's not that fast. You can tell he's not very explosive. He's not a twitchy kind of guy. To me, it, it was such a, a dereliction of what they do, um, what they're looking for, that it inspired a significant change in their drafting philosophy the next year. I don't think that they just got more perceptive of who is uh, a better athlete. I think they started using analytics to show that, 
in a more discernible, yeah. more objective way than just what they're watching. Clearly, there was differing opinions on, on the athletic ability and therefore the potential of a guy like Jarvis Jones. So all due respect to Jarvis Jones. He's a very nice guy. I, I hope he's doing very well, but he's just not an NFL caliber athlete. And nobody today would, would think that he is. The Steelers went with the production or you know what they think they saw on film over uh, the measurements, over what he tested as, as an athlete. And it was a massive mistake. And it was clear and obvious right away. The guy plays hard. He's a good teammate. He is just not even close to a, a athlete. He's not even close to enough athlete to play an edge linebacker position in the NFL successfully. The next year, if you look at who they drafted, all of them were high-level athletes. Right. Ryan Shazier is one of the most athletic guys who ever tested. Yep. It, it, as far as what we know in the NFL. Martavis Bryant, uh, a height, weight, speed god. He had it all. Huge, mm-hmm. huge high-level athlete. Dree Archer, terrible football player. Great athlete. Yep. They made a point to draft these highly athletic players that they'd had – the athleticism and size and it wasn't so much about their production on the field it was how good of athletes they were and you know call that 1a versus 1b they mm-hmm. need to be you know a certain level of, of player the exception of three archer apparently yeah. not sure what they saw there but from that point on we've started to see them go in a much more athletic direction they want to find uh, athletes as well as football players. I know that sounds simple, but how do you define an athlete? Is it what John over here says, or is it what Brad says? Who knows an athlete more? It's not necessarily just something you can watch. You, you need to, to create some type of baseline. There's a lot of ways to do that. And my guess, and I'll, I'll never get this on the record from anybody, and I'm, I'm being honest, I don't know. My guess is they brought in people to answer that question uh, between the 2013 and 2014 season. Right. From then on, I think they have gone with that kind of analytics when it comes to their their draft evaluations because they've taken much more of the, the athletes that we aren't sure about as players, Terrell Edmonds, Artie Burns. These are guys that athletically um, will, will grade out probably better than their film. They took them in the first round because they want to invest in athletes. T.J. Watt, I know it seems crazy right now, but T.J. Watt went 30 overall for a reason. And it's not because he's a future Hall of Fame player. It, it's He didn't have a really enough tape to get a good sense of who he was, but he's a, he tested as a great athlete. They went with him. It, it, things like that, I, to, to, that's a very long way of answering your question, but I, I think they absolutely do, and I think they absolutely will not talk about it either because they don't like other people knowing what they're doing. Well, that's okay. I would tell people what I was doing, but even I don't even know. All right. So, Neil, <laughs> appreciate you so much. Look forward to a lack of overreaction next Tuesday. Definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. Neil Kulong. We'll come back next half hour of the show. Matt will tell you all about Aaron Judge, the only Yankee left playing. Your guy Stanton's out again. See that? Yeah, wonderful. It's your guy. You, you pinned everything on him. You gave him $400 billion. No wonder you and Lisa paid four figures for tickets. All right, back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I. 
just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 6.30 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6.30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Out of auto repair. In an ever-changing world, one thing you can always count on is the service at Purdy Insurance. Hi, this is Season. While the world is constantly changing, Purdy Insurance is dedicated to providing you with the highest level of service to protect you, your family, and your business. Give us a call today at 570-286-5855. Go to our website at purdyinsurance.com or check us out on Facebook to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. 